0: And welcome to Resistance Radio. I'm John Cain, your host with Regan DeLoggins. And uh, look, we've got a pretty good show for you today. We've got a few things that we need to talk about, and not the least of which is going to involve the rejection that, that so much of the American uh, electorate, if you want, or the American society, how much they just reject science, how much they reject experts in various fields of study and that kind of stuff. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. But first, let me begin by reminding people we are a listener support radio, and we rely almost solely on your support as, as the listening public. And, of course, this show airs in both uh, Washington, D.C. on WPFW and in New York City on WBAI, and both those stations rely heavily, um, if not exclusively, on your support. I know the show is also heard in a couple of other affiliate stations, but I really need to express to the listening audience how much WPFW and WBAI need your support. WBAI is in the uh, in the midst of what they're calling their their emergency tower fund drive, and so I'm really imploring to you, the listening public, to do what you can to support. Your local radio station support WBAI and their and this special fund drive they're doing to pay for their tower space for their transmitter uh, over in Times Square, um, and you know the hope is that we generate enough through this end of the year fund drive that we can cover the 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 tower uh, rental space uh, you know for the bulk of the year. So let me remind people that to support the WBAI Tower Fund. You can go to towerfund.wbai.org. You can go to the regular website, which is wbai.org, and follow the prompts. You can also call in to 212-209-2950 and uh, make a contribution to the WBAI Tower Fund. It is is critical. Um, This is how we get the signal out there. Look, I know that this show becomes a podcast. I know that Either the show can be listened to online at wbai.org or on wpfwfm.org but we rely on this on the notion of broadcasting this signal out to these major radio markets New York City and W uh, and, and, uh, and Washington DC and we can only do that with your help. So again, the tower fund is uh, it can be donated to by going online to towerfund.wbai.org or going to the main WBAI website, which is WBAI.org, or calling in to our normal pledge line, which is 212-209-2950. Now, if you're listening in um, uh, in D.C. on WPFW, whether you're listening online or whether you're listening you know, on uh, on your radio, on the FM dial, uh, I implore you to support WPFW as well. And you can go to WPFW's website at wpfwfm.org. You can also call in at 202-588-9739. These are the stations that are carrying, these are the Pacifica stations carrying this, this program. And I know others are taking the program and using it on affiliate stations and, and, uh, and various internet uh, access sites. Um, but we need to support these two stations. These are the stations carrying the the brunt of uh, the expense for getting these you know th- this show out in the air so uh, it is really important that we that we support these stations all right let me uh, let me move on a little bit here um, a couple things going on it is mid December <laughs> we are entering the last two weeks of the year and it is sixty five degrees in uh in buffalo i'm wearing a i this short sleeve t-shirt i'm wearing if you're watching on facebook live this is what i wore to the studio today it is balmy outside and you know so many people say well that's not a bad thing well we also have 65 mile an hour winds a few days ago i was without power for 20 hours for over for actually over 20 hours trust me the house got cold uh the fridge gets warm and the house gets cold go figure right this is minor by comparison to what, what people are experiencing with, with you know, tornadoes. Tornadoes completely out of season. I mean, not that there's any good season for tornadoes, but I mean, what we're seeing weather-wise is incredible. And yet we still have a large percentage of, of, of Americans who want to reject the science behind the assessment of climate change and global warming we have people who are, will categorically deny it like it's all a government conspiracy. Look, and these are the same people who reject science when it comes to things like wearing a mask or getting a vaccine, you know, or or doing anything that's preventative. Look, we've got people suing over uh, over being required to wear a mask, a, a mask to prevent look, there's been over 800,000 people who died over and it's it's I'm sure because so many died without ever really being diagnosed early on. I'm sure it's close to a million people, much closer to a million people died of COVID-19. And yet we still have the, you know, the political split. Most of the people, you know, many people on the right are just so anti-science. And they would rather listen to Joe Rogan or some uh, post they see on Facebook or Twitter to rely on informing their own opinion about these things. And 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 look, and it's frustrating. And it doesn't stop there. Look, we, we've talked about critical race theory on uh on the show. And and the fact of the matter is, critical race theory is a scientific analysis of the role that racism has played in the passing of, of, of laws and the enforcement of laws and how it has impacted the justice system and many, much of the legislative process. It's it's an it's an analysis, it's a scientific, it's a research-based analysis. And yet you've got. I don't know if it's up to 18 or 20 states that have outlawed the teaching of critical race theory in high schools. Now, the crazy part is, and on the face of it, it seems, oh, that's no big deal because they don't really teach critical race theory in in schools anyway. But the problem is they have twisted this thing around and, and they can essentially assess any teacher who teaches anything about racism or any social injustice issue as They can target them and say, oh, they're teaching critical race theory. And they can look, they can they can can them tenure or not. They can just can teachers. And and we've seen it already. So this is part of it. Look, the mascot battle that that I'm uh, pretty much always engaged in. That is, again, a a harm assessed by psychological associations, many psychological associations, including in New York, the New York Association of uh, School Psychologists, who have endorsed a ban essentially on the use of native mascots calling it harmful to not only the native kids but the non-native kids as well and they they can document they can document it through uh, through the assessment of uh, of children on how they perform and 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 not just native kids like i said non-native kids too they know scientifically that it's harmful and yet right across the board you're going to see the same people who are you know Against removing uh, race-based mascots, who are against wearing masks and getting vaccines, who are against teaching anything that might produce—and they literally say this—white guilt. Uh, they're gonna—they're gonna be anti-mask and anti-vaccine, and they're also gonna be anti-climate change. Well, today we want to talk a little bit about that because we have seen deadly storms uh, just now. I mean, and like I said, I just went through. You know, we we had you know 65 mile an hour winds here. It took out trees, took out uh, took out power. I was without power for over 20 hours just a few days ago. And today, it is like I said, 65 degrees in Buffalo in mid December. You know, for all the stories you hear about Buffalo and snow and bitter winter. Well, it's it's actually creepy that it's that it is as warm as it is. So Regan, let me uh, let me bring you in here. Um, you know, the, the most frustrating thing about this is there is no activity really implemented to change our consumption of fossil fuels our our contribution to the you know global climate change we're we're still not experiencing any meaningful action give me your thoughts all right we got regan reggie well <laughs> regan needs to unmute all right cuz reggie you sound nothing like regan And I shouldn't. (laughs) All right. Well, by all means, Regan Regan, chime in whenever you hear me. Please. (laughs) Do it all over again. All right. Okay. Let's start over. No, I'm not gonna start over. Well, look, as soon as Regan can join us, but this is kind of what we want to talk about. I mean, look, we addressed a little of this last week. And and it is frustrating because we mount our physical, our you know, and again, I'm not as much into the whole spiritual fight, but our physical fight our our war over social media and any platform that we can here on, on resistance okay. radio. We do we whatever we can now. okay. We do whatever we can to bring attention and to resist what what is really the, the, the cause of climate change. And, and it's tough because these are not fights that we that we we usually win. I mean so we're putting, we're either putting ourselves on the line or we're supporting people who are putting themselves on the line and they are being beaten, they are being arrested, they are being physically assaulted in any number of ways. And the pipelines go through. And you know why the pipelines go through? For a couple of reasons. One, there's simply not enough people resisting it. And the other thing is there's no political will to stop them. So Regan, please uh, uh, chime in here anytime. Can y'all hear me? Yeah, you're a little statically. Try it again. How about now? Oh, you sound beautiful. I don't know
1: what happened previously. But, yeah, I think that, um, you know, talk, seeing this really intense weather and seeing, you know, these uh, seeing tornadoes, as you said, like tornadoes aren't great, but they have a season. And we know how to handle them in those seasons and those specific areas that you live in. But seeing unprecedented, unprecedented tornadoes, seeing unprecedented cold weather and also unprecedented extreme, like warm weather for this time of year. Is really, you know, reminding us of the, of the glaring realities that we live in. That climate change is is now.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, that climate change is, you know, so often when we talk about climate change, we talk about the future, but the reality is that it's happening right now before our very eyes. You know, this is this is, and it has been happening too. You know, we can't ignore the fact that there, you know, there's been a steady increase of carbon emissions, and that with that has also, you know, changed the literal the global temperature has changed the t- temperature of this Earth. Now. For a number of people, I think it's easy to deny climate change because it feels like something that will be dealt with in future generations. But it's that kind of mentality that is inherently anti-Indigenous because, you know, we talk about this on the show, but also more importantly, we talk about this in community that we're we're constantly thinking of seven generations, um, you know, the our seven generations. Like we, we think about what our futures look like. We think about what our past look like. So just, you know, to, to be... To be in line with our teachings is to be considering, you know, past, present, and futures. But I often think that part of the settler narrative that makes um, uh, climate change, you know, so not taken seriously is because, it, you know, it's something for future generations to take care of. But the reality is it's not, you know. We are living in it right now. People are dying. You know, the, a warehouse was flattened. An Amazon warehouse was flattened. Um, and people died because the weather is so bad and capitalism is so horrible
0: that people's lives are expendable you know it, it's regan regan can, let me interrupt a second. can can you try to reconnect your um your your audio quality dropped off when i lost you for a little bit so, okay go ahead and reconnect how about um right? oh, when you I, you sound good right now
1: th- great oh, okay. when i think about the warehouse collapsing the um, Amazon warehouse collapsing in Illinois. I also, I th- I thought about. Um, did you ever read the book The Jungle by Upton Sinclair? Yes. Yeah,
0: w- it was required reading. Okay, when of I was course. A kid.
1: <laughs> exactly, and and the reason you read it is you know it's to to learn about the horrors of the Industrial Revolution. That's why you're taught it. Um, you know, through a, usually like a literature English class in school, you're meant to read it and be like, wow, the horrors of the Industrial Revolution. You know, people slaughtering animals and warehouses and getting sick due to the lack of cleanliness, and people dying on the, um, you know, in this triangle shirtwaist factory, being unable to escape the the conditions that they live in, and 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 you know, laws changed and things, you know, things were adjusted because of that. But the, but the reality is that that is still very much the life of those who are laborers. That is still very much the life for people that. They are meant to get sick. They are they are meant to die. They're meant to be expendable, all for the sake of profit. So oh, we, saw, know, really we saw not this, much we has saw this. We saw change.
0: We saw this with the with uh, with you know COVID nineteen uh, protocols with uh, okay. with Smithfield Farms and uh, and their meat processing. We've seen it over and over again.
1: And in the end, it's because people are expendable to corporations. So why are we giving corporations any of our time, any of our labor, any of our our spirit? Like the fact that a tornado caused by climate change flattened an Amazon warehouse and killed. What is it? Eleven people like that is not just a, a, a freak accident or or, you know, some sort of. It's a tragedy written so clearly, so outlined to us through these patterns of resource extraction, through these patterns of continued capitalism. Well, and it it followed.
0: It followed a a tornado that literally stayed on the ground for 200 miles, something that's unheard of. So these and these are both. These are both in uh, specific issue incidents that that took place within days of each other. I mean, this isn't. Something that that is just such a one off that you can say, "Wow, that's just a fluke of nature." No, this is the pattern no. we are in.
1: You know, I think that people who uh, witness disasters through climate change as um, as you know, oh, what a what a tragedy! But you know that that will never happen again. The reality is that happens all the time, and 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 it's just like, and it is a consequence of what has been done to the earth. And if people, you know, cared more about the lives of, uh, of strangers, really, if people cared more about the lives of people around them, then this kind of insidious behavior would not continue. To, to think that, you know, Amazon demanded the workers stay and they died is just... Also, considering that Jeff Bezos moment in space put out more carbon emissions uh i forgot what the what the uh what the statistic was but you know just his little goofy trip to space was traumatic to the earth you know i, I just like don't understand how amazon still is and this business. is not this is not
0: some big blow to amazon i mean look Amazon. No, they don't care. The amount of money that company has. And frankly, it isn't just Amazon. If you look at corporate America and how much, how isolated they are financially from the horrors of uh, climate change, at least for now, because I guarantee, until this starts impacting the wealthiest of Americans, and I don't mean just somebody's summer home on the beach, I mean really impacting. The lives and the safety and the security of the wealthiest Americans, then we're going to see more of the same. It's like you said earlier, this there's no seven generations of thought process going on here. This is complete irresponsibility associated with people who say, well, yeah, we there's maybe we can do some things to stop it in the future. and and they're ignoring the fact that this is upon us right now.
1: And I think that that's why it's really hard to hear. When indigenous nonprofits like Indian Collective take, you
0: know. Oh, you just dropped off again for a second there, uh, Regan. Let me. Uh...
1: Okay, uh, what I was saying was I think it's, you know, that's why it's really horrible to hear that uh, indigenous nonprofits like Indian Collective took millions of dollars from Amazon or just two days ago accepted $50 million from the Bush Foundation. You know, like, these are not the strategies of indigenous resistance. These are the strategies of ongoing settler colonialism. And it's really it's really uh, disheartening to see it happening in our community and then seeing these same nonprofits, indigenous or not, really being celebrated for their environmental work when the reality is that they are also just
0: Well, and I got to tell you, uh, taking
1: money from these horrible institutions.
0: And I do want to say just to interject, any problem that we are having specifically today with transmission is related to the incredible weather we're having right now. Like I said, I'm we're still experiencing 65 mile an hour winds, wind gusts here in western New York. So some of this connectivity between Regan and I, I, you know, look, I'd love to apologize for it, but uh, there's nothing we can do. So there's almost nothing to apologize for. But I think that this is such an important and meaningful conversation that we have to have mm-hmm. that regardless of whatever fuzz you guys might be hearing as we do it, um, bear with us. I mean, because this is just, the, again, I, and I, I put some of this right back to what I opened with, this absolute rejection of the, the data, the information, the, the cause and effect. And I'm not just talking about correlation here. I'm talking causation. And, and so we see at so many different levels. And, and I, don't know, I'm, I don't know what wakes people up. When, when you see a million people die because of COVID-19 and you still have people who want to reject it as some sort of government conspiracy, when you still see a, a tornado, not a hurricane, mind you, a tornado touch on the ground and stay tearing up the earth and, and homes and lives, taking lives, for, uh, uh, and touching down for over 200 miles. That is something that is naturally, from a natural standpoint, unheard of. And yet this is what we're experiencing now. So it, it's almost, it, it is absurd to me that we still can't seem to appeal to broad swaths of the American population that we are in a crisis mode. All right, well, maybe we lost Regan just for a second again. You know, Regan is trying again. Okay, and, and here's the thing also. You know, you know we're doing, when we do this radio, we're asking you know, the listening public to support WBAI and to support WPFW. And we oftentimes describe the situations that we're in in some sort of emergency or crisis because fund, funding these kind of radio stations is, is difficult. And you know, for me to have a conversation about the crisis that we're going through, from a climate change standpoint, from a global warming standpoint, from you know, from from a, a public health standpoint, you know, sometimes you know, I got to tell you, it, it, I go back to some of the frustration that Regan was expressing last week. It is so hard because you feel like you are talking to a wall sometimes. And I know, I'm not criticizing those of well, you we listening yeah, today, absolutely. but this is this is what our experience is. We are battling unbelievable. Forces. and When we're talking about, you know, look, a, a military, a U.S. that spends almost eight hundred billion dollars on military and almost nothing to mitigate climate change, it's 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 absurd.
1: It's absurd, and it, and it's it's honestly, um, it's absurd and unsurprising. And for me, I have become a bit disheartened by other people's inability to see um, to see these these campaigns. For what they are. You know, I, sometimes I get disheartened by the fact that we have, you know, cyclical conversations about climate change and cyclical conversations about taking COVID seriously and cyclical conversations about ongoing settler colonialism and capitalism. And, and, the you know, we hammer away at it because it's imperative as part of radicalizing people to educate people. But also, you know, these are days days like this, you know, when people die for the sake of a buck, because a boss is greedy um, and willing to risk people's lives and the fact that like climate change is where it's at and the fact that pipelines are still going through land, all of these things, you know, it, sometimes it's a bit disheartening. It doesn't stop us from doing the work, but, you know, I, I tire sometimes of these conversations and, and uh, I, I look, I look forward to changes yeah. that aren't, you know, inclement weather and the, uh, you know, and the apocalypse. <laughs>
0: No, I mean it it, you, it does really feel like you know when on one hand we all want a break, right? <laughs> we all want want a break from from some of these these tensions, but honestly, there's a part of me that says no, we 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 can't have a break because the moment you give anybody a reason to be complacent and they will be. And you know, so no, unfortunately it. these, things, my- these things these things got to keep happening.
1: voted for biden you know yeah it's why they're not going to hold them accountable for not canceling student loan debt it's why people are not going to hold them accountable for um not canceling the pipelines, like you know allowing fossil fuel and extractive industry to continue to destroy this earth you know like it's it's the fact that biden's speech at cop 26 was somehow a celebration of environmental activism you know like it's just people really truly will be like you said the The opportunity to remain complacent will always be taken.
0: Right, yeah. I mean, and look, I mean, everybody, you know, uh, rightfully condemned um, uh, Andrew Cuomo for his behavior and his exploitation of the office, but nobody seems to be holding the, uh, Cat- Kathy Hochul, the, the current governor of the state of you New know, York. Look, the, the COVID disaster is as bad now as it's been. And yet, nobody seems to be criti- critical of, of, of the current sitting governor, and why? I mean, there's we get through these cycles of complacency where we just kind of let things go, and you know, and and that's and and that's why you are going to hear some Regan and I be somewhat critical of of a Deb Hal and or you know or or an Elizabeth Warren or, 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 or
1: Indian or, collective
0: or, or, or yeah, or so many of these, you know. As, and it really does get frustrating because when i hear n- people speaking on behalf of native people and they seem to be selling us out i mean I, look as i've said many many times the notion um or the the un declaration on the rights of indigenous peoples is not a a, a great document but one of the things that it that it does do is it establishes this the standard which is the requirement for free prior and informed consent from native people on issues, policies, practices that impact us. And yet we sometimes see quote unquote native leadership that defies that, that directive themselves because they don't seek consensus from their people as they're, uh, as they're looking at fighting a, a, a pipeline. Oftentimes you see some native leadership involved in extractive industries. And I, you know, look what, what, what I saw out of um, uh, Standing Rock was not something that I was real comfortable with. Not only did you have uh, the Obama administration's lead advisor on Native issues, Jody Gillette, uh, you know, basically selling out the people. Her brother, Dave Arshambo, who was the who was the, the tribal chairman or chief or whatever they call it out there, he he was again complicit with uh, with the administration. I mean, this is what's frustrating. Well, in
1: the same way that we've talked about band councils. You know, specifically when we talk, uh, I'm thinking of the band council and with Sued and Territory oh, yes. that, uh, who gave, you know, who gave, quote unquote, permission for the pipeline to go through. And the reality is a band council is just a business council that doesn't speak for community. In fact, it speaks for economic um, extraction. And often, you know, people, you know, band councils are not authority within our communities and should not be taken as such. But, you know, extractive industries will seek them out knowing that, you know, there's a buck to be made, and that's uh, you know, gross.
0: And that's the, and that's selling outcomes at every level. I just read a story the other day about a band council giving a school permission to call themselves a native mascot because, um, like, because they're on. pandering to non native people, yeah. And this was up in the northwest, is a Maryville Maryville or something of like school, and you know, so come a band on. council gave them permission, and and they acknowledge even though there is contention within, you know, within their, their nation over this thing, they went ahead and gave permission, again, absolutely rejecting this notion of, of, of consensus. Look, I even saw, in case you missed this one, there's a video, it's, it's running around um, uh, social media. Uh, I was involved in the debate over the Glastonbury, uh, Connecticut high school. They had their name were the Tomahawks. And uh, one of the board members reached out to me. One of the the former students reached out to me, and they voted. Ultimately, they voted to retire it. Well, they had a meeting just the other day, and one of these pro mascot nuts literally sucker punched one of the board members, Uh, basically for for, yeah. I mean, and and it's all over social media, and it's it's like I mean, he he first he first he first jams his unmasked face right nose to nose with this guy, and when the board member Put his hands on his chest and pushed him back to get his space back. He sucker punches him. This is, and and so look as much as I'm going to be critical of elected officials, you know, like you know the Biden administration or even the, you know the Obama administration, and and of course the Trump administration, and people who are elected locally. You know, I I you realize that there is a huge, you know, not, I'm not even going to say the majority, but there's a large contingent of Americans. That just reject everything that we're talking about, and it doesn't matter how much evidence you give them because they can they re, they refuse to think critically, and and part of the whole thing is it gets back to what we were saying earlier. There are people who just want to believe what they want to believe and ignore well, any of the facts.
1: A, it's too much for them. It's part of the American psyche
0: to deny.
1: The idea of you know, we talk about this this um this f- fantastical history that is taught within the classroom of this benign american history that america was created without violence without um enslavement without genocide you know without you know, and, and also without consequences to those things but rather that those things just happened and are in the past and therefore should be seen as something in the past yeah and what i find really you know so this is part of the american psyche is this idea of denying and the what is in front of our very eyes because then it if if you if you see what is actually happening then you have to reckon with it you know if you see what is actually happening then you have to you know you have to do you have to do something about it and the reality is that a lot of people are unwilling to do something about it even if they do see issues so what do you you know there are so many people that choose not to see these issues because it is just too much well, and, and, I, and, and it's, I, un- you know, it's and, uncomfortable for and them i don't think that's them. an excuse obviously i'm not saying it's yes of course it's a, and people will avoid People will avoid opportunities of discomfort. People yeah. will avoid opportunities to grow. so I think a lot of people will continue to push back and will continue to uphold white supremacist ideologies because a lot of it's out of fear of loss of power. yeah, what does it look like when indigenous people are in resistance and and acting in our sovereignty? What does it look like when we awaken and participate in the you know upholding of black liberation like what does it look like? it it will be a complete change in the people of the lifestyle that a lot of people are used to. And I think that more people are more afraid of unlearning um, and, you know, having to reckon with these things than they are of just saying, well, I won't wear a mask and I'll keep, you know, the Tomahawk mascot. Yeah.
0: Hey, I got to give a shout out. You uh, listening to uh, I was reminded that the Dakota 38 ride is happening right now, and there is a large group of oh, yes. Native people dry, riding horseback, retracing the, the dreaded um, march or walk that the Dakota 38 and more were, uh, were sent on to be hanged the day after Christmas in Cato, Minnesota. By order of Abraham Lincoln in 1862, that ride, which happens every year, is happening right now. It happens usually, I think, from about the 10th, you know, right right through the, you know, you know through obviously Christmas because the the actual execution took place the day after Christmas uh, in 1862. So that ride is happening right now, and this is, you know this is a perfect example of people who are who are willing to defy comfort to make a point and to make a stand. And, you know, so I applaud these guys who do this every year. Um, and some winters are are harsher than others. And uh, I don't know exactly what the, the weather is that they're, they're experiencing today, but I know this is not an easy ride. So I applaud these guys who do this.
1: Yeah. What a, what a, what yeah. a really beautiful, um, ceremony, what a beautiful ceremony to, yeah. To honor those who were so disgustingly hunted down by the state, Mm -hmm. by everyone's beloved Abe Lincoln.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, and 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 again, I remind people because when we talk about this idea that people want to reject anything that makes them feel uncomfortable, you know, this the very trial that over three hundred Dakota were put on um, was the result of Abraham Lincoln signing the Homestead Act, which dispossessed Native people not only of, of their lands but the failure of the government to pay them. In any meaningful way, through most of that time, left the, left most of the the Dakota in um, in dire straits, and and that's part of the reason they did raid villages because they had no other means for survival. They were they had been run off their land, and not by you know the Michael Landon and two little girls uh, and a, and a wife. This is a Little House on the Prairie. These are very aggressive, no, you know, um, people who. We're on the, uh, you know, basically on on the the spear's tip of capitalism. The idea of taking away the belongings and and the possessions of other people so they could advance themselves and you know and and ab- advance the uh, uh, you know the American dream. Oh, <laughs> oh! It sounds like you dropped something. Sorry,
1: <laughs> I. Uh, yep, yeah, you know it's so funny. I'm I'm uh, while we are, while we're talking, I'm beating right now. <laughs> And I, like, like every good beater, I just knocked my entire tray of beads onto the ground.
0: It sounded it sounded like what you did was messy. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Well, you'll, you'll be busy for a couple of hours picking those up.
1: <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. You know, I've been, you know, that actually I've been trying to, you know, for those who are unaware, beading is a, is an art form that, uh, is, uh, newer in terms of, in terms of indigenous art because it uses glass trade beads, um. And it's you know it's definitely having I don't want to say a revitalization because that assumes that it died, but rather that a lot of people are embracing um, embracing uh, beating and you know doing more contemporary uh, design design work. And uh, ever since I got back from from the front line and um, at line three in Minnesota, I've been finding it really nice to to start doing these these smaller acts of. Uh, of artistic resistance so it's been nice to get back into beading
0: uh, well and, and beading has its origins in, in everything from uh porcupine quill work to the idea absolutely. of beading not small little small glass beads but wampum beads uh, you know seeds. it comes out of seeds and yeah. uh and wampum belts and all that stuff so it's it is very much the continuance of a uh of, of a legacy uh, of indigenous art form
1: it's also really beautiful for folks that are unaware, also that there's a um, a really uh, a really robust beating tradition, glass beating tradition out of Africa, um, and uh, a lot of design work that we see in indigenous beating is similar to some that we see in African indigenous beating. And I did not. This is something that I've been learning about recently. So I, I really always am excited to find through lines between. What I see is a uh, communications between indigenous sovereignty and black liberation.
0: Well, the other thing that's beautiful about but, uh, about beading is, um, is that it's gone from what was relatively two dimensional uh, to now this idea of raised beads and three dimensional. It's a it's a very much yeah. a three dimensional art form. And and it's I'm so glad you dropped your beads so we could change the subject talk about something nice. <laughs> 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 I'm so glad No, but you know, it, it, it so is, is an incredible art for form and, and you know look if you if you get a chance look online you can see some incredible examples you know not only have we seen things like basket making being taken to an incredible heights of, of craftsmanship and artisanship oh. but we see the same thing with, with, mm-hmm. with this bead work so I'm, I'm glad you've picked it up
1: absolutely yeah I, you know I've been I, I, I just haven't done it in a while and it's been really nice and it's something soothing to do while we talk about how much we hate the settler state, you know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> there you go. There you go. Oh man. Uh, but no, I mean, I guess getting back a little bit to what we're talking about, though, there, there really does need to be, um, you know, a continued advocacy um, for, for look, and and like as I said at the beginning of the show, I'm all for critical thinking, and and I I will reject what I think are bad theories that you know bad science look I, I do it all the time when we talk about things like the Bering Strait theory and the the land bridge theory of course. And, you know and garbage uh, you know, so I'm all for you know um challenging that stuff but you can't deny the obvious you know and when like I said I'm wearing a t-shirt on December 16th and 17th I mean that's that's absurd in Buffalo in the Buffalo New York area here in Seneca territory I mean that's that's what we're seeing. And and that's not my opinion. That's just the, the the facts on the ground.
1: What I don't think, you know, what I also I think this is also has a lot to do with the lack of connection to land in terms of people's inability to grasp the, the impacts of climate change, because a lot of people are like, whatever, you're wearing a T-shirt in December. You know, you're not cold. Like, who cares? Like, what's so bad about it? It is the fact that the land is quite literally um, melting. Yeah, you know it's too hot, and that heat is unsustainable for any of our lifeways. And you know we saw. Oh God, did you see? Oh God, I just remember this two days ago. There was a picture um, that came out of a uh, a giraffe um, reserve in Africa in which there's this horrible drought and there's just like a pile of giraffe bodies in the middle of this, um, this reserve. And of course people are like, Oh my God, look at this horrible thing. Look at this, look at these horrible!" And, And it is, it's honestly, it's a brutal picture. When I saw it, it made me incredibly uncomfortable. Uh, and you see these animals who died because it was too hot for them to survive. They did not have access to water and the things that they needed. And, for so many people they see that tragedy as something like oh well you know it's their time the dinosaurs left but the re- it, it is also reflective in our own life ways in our own in our own humankind in our own uh in, in our own decisions in the way that we live in our, our lives and a lot of people just like i think their lack of connection to land makes them unaware of how much and how much of an impact this has had on our Four-legged kin on our winged kin on our plants on our like on the water systems because people rely so heavily on a on lifestyles that are not you know on the land.
0: Well, and I also get frustrated so because
1: have pulled us away from it. Th-
0: there's there's also this religious connection where people will say something like it's not just their time that it's God's will, and and yeah, so whatever. that's the excuse that they'll throw out there like. You know, like it's like this is all part of God's plan. No, this is a man-made crisis. To be clear, this is a what? man-made crisis. In fact, everything that that the world is experiencing from global unrest, violence, you know, global conflicts, uh, political conflicts, racism—all of these things are are man-made problems. And so, when I hear people suggest, in any way, shape, or form, that this is some some sort of you know divine um, you know, causation is, is it, it's just frustrating because, you know, these are the same people. Who, it's just
1: a way to remove their guilt. It's it, a way to assuage their guilt.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And, and so I, yeah, that's, like I wanted so to address obvious. that because even as you said, you know, when people say something like it's their time, that's the other thing that I hear all the time. And, you know, again, people dying because they were forced to stay in a candle factory or an Amazon warehouse while a storm is tearing the building apart. And and then people will, will somehow, they I mean, even insurance companies will call some of these things acts of God. I mean, are you freaking kidding not. me? Oh, man, it's frustrating. Climate
1: change is not an act of God. It is an act. It is a symptom of colonialism. It is a symptom of capitalism. We well, it can, is, it is a response. Never,
0: it, it is a natural response to what man is doing. So, I mean, but I don't want to turn, I don't like want to make it sound like it, it, it. This is a response of the planet to our activity. And, but it is not an act of God singling out who who lives and dies. This is, this is a, a causation of, from, from man's activity.
1: Also, how terribly cruel to say that someone's life or many people's lives are, you know, someone to be held accountable for their deaths. Like, you know, we have the ability to say climate change is killing millions of people, um, is killing, you know, is really having these large impacts. And the way to hold people accountable is by, you know, completely destroying carbon emissions. Like, we actually do have that capability. Um, and a lot of people choose not to. And a lot of people uh, are, are, you know. Are politicians? A lot of people are, uh, you know, these grotesque empires, these uh, titans, if you will, of uh, capitalism. Yeah, resource extractive industries. Like, no, we have every capability of responding in a way that um, upholds uh, and doesn't dehumanize people. But it's a it's a strategic choice to not do that in order to maintain profit.
0: Well, and as I alluded to earlier, um, it's also important to point out that that. It it it's people who are on the bottom rungs, if they if if you want to consider them in, uh, you know, as a part of the system of American society, who are feeling the, uh, uh, you know, the, the most adverse effects. It is it it's indigenous people who are being displaced, um, you know, from their from their traditional homelands. It is whether it's in the South Pacific or whether it's in the Gulf Coast. We we are seeing the the, the people who are who are already struggling because of the effects of capitalism who get impacted by drought, who get impacted by severe weather, who get impacted by, by, you know, uh, by forest fires, all of this stuff. I mean, it, and, and like I said, it, the, the people who, who really have the power to change things, they can, they can buffer themselves for, for quite some time. I'm not saying they can buffer themselves forever. Eventually, you know, again, the, the powers that be will pay a price. Man, a a whole lot of other life, and I don't mean just human life, will pay the price long before they do.
1: Yeah, it's really, truly such a selfish thing. And I do want to go back to what you were saying, John, earlier is uh, when you were like, well, you know, people's responses to climate change. And the reality is, like you said, there aren't enough people who are are coming out, um, not just to front lines, but really standing up against these larger titans of industry. And I'm not talking about politicians because we know better than to rely on settler colonial politics to see change happen. They'll never do that because they'll maintain the system at all costs. But you know, there are ways for folks to really begin to localize their own their own organizing and also to show up on front lines um, where people are doing an immense amount of work and taking immense amount of risk in order to to like at least have a last stand against a number of these industries.
0: You know, and the, the part that's frustrating is, again, I, I envision this. You know, I, I keep picturing this, this, this guy, so obsessed with a native mascot, punching out an unpaid elected official as a as a board member, and yet they won't hold their these professional politicians accountable for for their role in destroying the you know in, in destroying the environment. I mean, it's incredible to me. You're willing to punch a, a school board member. But you're not willing to to really get in the face and 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 force, you know, these the people who are supposed to be your servants at both the the state level, at the national level, in the highest positions of government. You're not willing to hold them. Instead, you're going to you're going to vote for some safe, complacent guy like, you know, like Joe Biden, rather than really try to do something that's going to going to affect change. Joe Biden is
1: not safe. Joe Biden is not safe. Joe Biden is dangerous. I agree. Joe Biden is an imperialist. Joe Biden is a warmonger. He is a war criminal. He has uh, participated in the deportation, the violent deportation of, of indigenous and black immigrants. He has made it clear that he does not care about the. He has upheld most of Trump's policies. Which arguably were also Obama's policies, which were also, uh, you know, Bush's policies, which were also Clinton's uh, policies. Yeah, go back, go back. Yeah. Again, they're all the same policies because it's all settler colonialism. It doesn't matter um, whose policy, technically. So, but like, this isn't, you know, Biden isn't safe. He's dangerous. And the fact that people do not criticize him on the same level as they did Trump, while he does the exact same things Trump does, is really. Such an uh, the amount of mental gymnastics to participate in that to participate in that kind of cognitive dissonance that you can see Biden as an acceptable politician um, and Trump as not when they do the exact same thing really blows my mind. Biden is a danger to people, to planet, to life. Like he is no, he is not safe, and he's not safer either.
0: Yeah, I, I, so, and, and again. For those who can clearly see, you know, the right as being blinded by and enamored by by Donald Trump, if you can't turn around and look at what what Joe Biden represents for the so-called left or for, you know, the and, and I and I. And I say have to I'm doing air quotes when I say the left, because I don't know what's left and right anymore, because it all seems to be no, the same thing.
1: Sometimes it intersects in some weird absolutely,
0: way. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it is it, it is it's it's incredible. But, you know, part of where I get to, Regan, is even in hearing some of your frustration from last week's show, is that we've got to change our strategy. What we're doing isn't working. And, and, and I mean, what what you and I are doing isn't working. Not not the, just what everybody else isn't yeah. doing. So I you know, and look, I know people get real nervous when you talk about you know, upping the ante with nonviolent direct action. But at some well, point, I was
1: about to say it is
0: what we're experiencing. Is, experiencing is violence. We're experiencing um, violence at the hands of police. At the, at the hands of these private contractors, man camps, the extractive industries, capitalism. And, you know, at some point we got to fight back. We just got to fight back.
1: You know, I'm really I'm glad you brought that up because it's something that I've really been struggling with after coming back um, again from the fight at line three and also um, doing nonviolent uh, direct action against the North, North Brooklyn pipeline, against, the police against like a number of actions for a number of years and organizing in this way. And I, I, you know, there's really, all of this was the crux of all of this was nonviolent direct action as a means to bring awareness, to persuade, to push back. But honestly you can't do nonviolent direct action against a, a violent state. And I think a lot of us are really coming to terms as to what that looks like as people that are committed to resistance that the reality is that we have to and are obligated to, as you said, up the ante and respond with vi- to violence with violence. Well, and even you know, the, even, this, even this, this, the, the
0: even nonviolent direct direct action, I'm saying, even if you up that ante, not to raise awareness, but to cripple the the opposition here. I mean, I'm I'm not saying just do these these actions to raise awareness. I'm saying we need to do actions that stop them. That stopped them.
1: And, you know, we, and, and we see people and we, you know, I, you know, like the couple of uh, lockdowns that I participated in, you know, we stopped the building of the pipeline for 14 hours, mm-hmm. you know, but that was one, that was one day yeah. out of a work week. That was one day. That was one day. And and one of the, one of the actions, you know, we, we stopped for, we stopped construction for 14 hours. Um, and I sat in the street handcuffed with two of my uh two of my friends after you know participating in this really violent extraction after locking down and the sun was setting and and we were like wow we stopped this construction for 14 hours and as they were putting us in the in the police cars to take us to jail um the pipeline workers came in and worked through the night to make up the the time lost on the pipeline and I realized that we may have stopped them for 14 hours during daylight, yeah. But that they had every ability to continue doing that work, and and honestly, that was a huge that was that was uh, that was I lost I lost a lot of hope uh, in that moment. Well, now you also I, think about watched, how much oil
0: flows in 14 hours to an open pipeline.
1: Yeah, yeah. And the reality is that, like, it's, if if we want to stop this, we have to stop them every day. We have to be, we have to be a nuisance every day. We have to be, um, you know, it, it, we have to agitate every day. It can't just be one day out of the week, and, and the, most of the time, that's because there aren't enough people. You know, it's not also normal on a front line for people to carry multiple charges like myself and yeah, others. Like, yeah. there need to be more people to take on this risk and to take on this burden, um, because we're burning ourselves out, and a lot of us are, you know. A lot of us have a lot of charges, like I have to go on probation soon, which, you know, will limit a lot of the things that I can do and participate in, Um, or, you know, or go to trial and and know that I'm going to jail, which is another way to remove um, people like move land defenders and community workers out of community. So like, you're right, we have to, if we're gonna, you know, up the ante, then we have to do it. And it requires commitment from a larger public.
0: Yes. And we're yes. still
1: educating some people about what white supremacy looks like. And right. we're still educating people about what critical race theory is. And we're still educating people about how cops are violent. Like, yeah. we're, there is not an, we're not on the same page. We're not even on in the same book. We're not even on this, you know, like, we're not even in the library that that book is in together. Like, it's incredible to think about how There is such um, a there's people are on on so many different levels of praxis and political belief that in order for us to make impact through frontline camps, through nonviolent direct action, we would need to do so much radicalizing and education. Um, And we also don't have enough people doing that because, look, we see the federal government and state governments making it illegal to even have these discussions that would right. through critical race theory, but you know, like it, it this is all interconnected. Like yeah, absolutely. we can't have a mobile radicalization because the education in order to do that is also being hindered. We don't have enough people showing up to the front line because they're also participating in exploitative capitalism that doesn't allow them to get back to the land. Yeah. Like there's so much here to talk about. And it, you know, talking about interconnectedness is, 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 is is relevant and imperative when we talk about how climate how climate change is affecting our communities and how burnout is affecting the front line, because it's definitely happening.
0: Yeah. Well, we're going to have to leave that there uh, for this week. Regan, I look forward to uh, to our next conversation. Uh, Thank you so much for being a part of this one. Um, I do have to remind people that we're having these conversations on WBAI and WPFW. We need your support, especially now while we're in this emergency tower fund drive for WBAI. And of course, we are always in at some level in a fund drive mode uh, for these specific stations, whether we're talking about WBAI at at towerfund.wbai.org and at WBAI.org and at 212-209-2950 212-209-2950 or whether we're talking about WPFW at WPFWFM.org or at w, or WPFW at 202-588-9739. We need your support to keep having these conversations. We need more of these conversations. But even as we, we say that to you, even as we tell you how important these conversations are and how necessary they are, we're asking you to help us keep having these conversations. I mean, we need to expand them, but we're still, we're still still just struggling to maintain the air presence, the uh, the the broadcast presence. So, I mean, I can't impress enough to you as the listening audience how important it is to support WBAI and their tower fund project uh, and WPFW uh, generally. Um, it is it is absolutely critical. I want to thank you for listening. I am John Kane with Regan DeLoggins. This is Resistance Radio. We thank you for listening. Yahweh.